Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. For copyright and disclaimers, as well as information about how to contact the iCritical Care staff, please listen to the notice at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast, recorded during the 40th Critical Care Congress in San Diego, California. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Joining us today is Ravi Thiagarajan, MD, MPH, Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Children's Hospital in Boston. Dr. Thiagarajan is with us today to discuss his latest article published in the January 2011 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine titled, Blood Transfusion is Associated with Prolonged Duration of Mechanical Ventilation in Infants Undergoing Reparative Cardiac Surgery. Welcome, Dr. Thiagarajan, and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Parker, and it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, would you please start by giving us an overview of your study, what you did, what you found? Yes, I will. Um, I first have to acknowledge all the other authors of this manuscript. Um, you know, all of the hard work was done by them. So um, our interest in this topic of blood transfusion and adverse outcomes in children undergoing cardiac surgery is based on the increasing uh, evidence in, uh, in the literature that blood transfusion is associated with out, uh, adverse outcomes in, in critically ill adults and in children. And children undergoing cardiac surgery are commonly exposed to blood products. It's an important topic to explore in this population. Uh, so in this manuscript, we uh, evaluated the association of blood product use in the intra- and post-operative period and, and outcomes in children um, undergoing cardiac surgery. And we chose a homogenous group of infants who were undergoing corrective, low-risk cardiac surgical procedures. Our main hypothesis was that the amount of blood products administered in the intra- and early postoperative period would be associated with a prolonged duration of mechanical ventilation in these children. Um, we chose duration of mechanical ventilation as our outcome because mortality following cardiac surgery in current times is a rare outcome and is difficult to study, and we're more focused on morbidity in these children. Duration of mechanical ventilation is strongly correlated with length of hospitalization, which is a surrogate marker of postoperative mor morbidity in infants undergoing cardiac surgery, and that's why we chose that outcome. Data for this investigation came from two consecutive single-center randomized clinical trials in our center that looked at management of hematocrit on cardiopulmonary bypass and randomized two different hematocrit strategies uh, during cardiopulmonary bypass and outcomes in children undergoing cardiac surgery. Um, this work was conducted by Dr. Neuberger and was conducted during 1996 to 2004. So our study is a secondary analysis of data collected for these two trials and included about 270 infants undergoing cardiac surgery at our institution. So all children uh, included in this study were less than nine months of age at time of surgery and underwent corrective heart surgery for one of the following lesions, septal defects, which included ventricular septal defects or AV canal defects, coronatruncal malformation, which included tetralogy of truncus arteriosus, and transposition of the great artery. We excluded um, patients whose birth weights were less than 2.3 kilograms, those who had chromosomal and non-chromosomal syndromes, and those who had other significant non-cardiac anomalies and prior cardiac surgery. The clinical trials uh, that these patients participated in randomized hematocrit management of cardiopulmonary bypass to a low hematocrit strategy and to a high hematocrit strategy. But preoperative, intraoperative, anesthetic management and postoperative management for these patients were 
left at the discretion of the physicians involved in the care of these patients. Specifically, there were no protocols to, to guide ventilator weaning and extubation, and also to guide prescribing blood products, and these were all left to the discretion of the caregivers. Um, we used the patient physiological and outcome data collected for purposes of the clinical trial and uh, for analysis in our uh, data set. Blood products used in this, uh, in this analysis that we collected included uh, cell transfusions, transfusions of uh, fresh frozen plasma, cryoprecipitate, and platelet transfusion, and was uh, expressed as mLs per kilogram body weight. Duration of ventilation uh, was calculated as the time the patient existed, exited from the operating room to the first extubation. An additional ventilation duration resulting from reintubation was added to provide a cumulative duration of ventilation. We used multivariable Cox regression analysis to uh, explore an association between intraoperative and postoperative transfusion and duration of mechanical ventilation after adjusting for all other factors that confounded or influenced duration of ventilation. And these factors included birth weight, gestational age, diagnosis, and cardiopulmonary bypass support times. Um, we uh, modeled duration of ventilation um, as, the, as the risk of extubation, which means we're modeling a good outcome. And therefore, in this study, uh, a hazard ratio of less than one means that you had longer duration of ventilation. And it's one of the quirks of the, our analysis. To summarize the results, focusing on intraoperative transfusion, uh, we found that children who had low birth weight, low gestational age, those who required longer bypass times, and those who had an arterial switch operation required more intraoperative blood transfusions. Children who are older at the age of uh, surgery, such as those with ventricular septal defects, required less blood transfusions in the intraoperative period. In a univariate analysis using Kaplan-Myers, we um, showed that duration of ventilation was very strongly associated with with the amount of intraoperative blood transfusion and products that were used, and such that the um, patients who received high-volume transfusion had the longest duration of mechanical ventilation compared to those who had low-volume transfusion. In a multivariable model, after adjusting for factors that influence duration of ventilation, we found that intraoperative blood product use was very strongly associated with duration of ventilation, and then there was a dose-dependent increase in duration of ventilation in the medium and high-volume groups compared to the low-volume groups. For example, the hazard ratio in the high-volume group was half that of the low-volume group, which meant that patients in the high-volume transfusion group had duration of ventilation that was twice as long as those in the low-volume group. So there's clearly a very strong association between intraoperative blood transfusion and, uh, and postoperative duration of ventilation. This association was present um, for both uh, red cell transfusions as well as non-red cell transfusions when they were analyzed separately. We then explored the association of early postoperative transfusion in a model that contained um, the factors associated with intraoperative blood transfusions and found that postoperative blood transfusion use was also associated with duration of uh, ventilation, and this was an independent association. At least two-thirds of patients in this, in this study received postoperative blood transfusions, which in included packed red cells or other blood products, but mostly packed red cells. A dose effect could not be demonstrated for the uh, postoperative transfusions, and the transfusion effect only uh, was seen in the PRBC group or the red cell transfusion group and not in those who were exposed to other products. So we clearly demonstrate the duration of ventilation is influenced by intraoperative and blood transfusion, as well as postoperative blood transfusion practices. And this may, and therefore, uh, outcomes for these patients may be influenced by our practice of blood transfusion and blood product transfusions. 
Interpretation of our results from the study has to be uh, considered in the light of its many limitations. First of all, this is a secondary analysis, so the data was not collected to answer our question. It was collected for purposes of a clinical trial, and this is a secondary analysis of the data. Number two, the reasons for blood transfusions weren't collected. However, we did demonstrate that chest tube output, which is a marker of bleeding, uh, did not influence duration of ventilation. So it wasn't duration of ventilation that, it wasn't the chest tube bleeding that influenced duration of ventilation. Third, transfusion may just be a marker of severity of illness, and thus prolonged ventilation may just uh, be associated with uh, severe illness in the patient and not related to transfusion at all. And finally, um, the group of patients selected for our analysis was a narrow group of low-risk patients undergoing cardiac surgery, and these results cannot be generalized to all patients uh, who undergo cardiac surgery in, in childhood for congenital heart disease. There's also practice variability among physicians, and therefore transfusion and duration of ventilation may be clearly influenced by those as well. But despite many of these limitations, we can say that both intraoperative and early postoperative transfusion in children undergoing cardiac surgery results in longer duration of postoperative mechanical ventilation. And, and therefore, careful attention to surgical hemostasis, you know, prompt uh, treatment of bleeding in the postoperative period, and thought in, in developing protocols um, to uh, decrease the amount of transfusion in these patients may be uh, useful for the future to decrease blood product exposure and th thereby improve these patients' outcomes. Thank you for that excellent summary. It seems that the decision to transfuse was not set by protocol other than the low transfusion threshold and the higher transfusion threshold, but was determined by practitioners. Presumably, the intraop was decided by the surgeons, and the postoperative was decided by surgeons, intensivists, cardiologists, who, who made the decisions. I think the intraoperative blood transfusion was probably influenced by uh, surgical decision making as well as by the anesthesiology, anesthesiologists caring for uh, patients. Um, uh, the, the clinical trial influenced how uh, intraoperative blood transfusion was managed. However, in the postoperative period, transfusion decisions are again made at the discretion of the surgeon as well as the attending intensivist. And, uh, and clearly, there's a lot of practice variability um, in, in those areas. Uh, we don't clearly have enough information as to what hematocrit is ideal for these uh, patients recovering post-cardiac uh, surgery, um, and what type of lesion influences where your hematocrit should be is not clearly known. And because of this, there's a lot of um, probably you know, unnecessary transfusions in some patients. Um, but, um, and, and this practice is very variable and should be studied in the future. Do you think it might be possible to develop a protocol or guidelines for when you should and should not transfuse in an effort to modify that factor as a risk for prolonged intubation? I, I think that should be really uh, a focus of uh, future care of children undergoing cardiac surgery to understand uh, blood transfusion where hematocrits uh, provide you the best hemodynamics um, so that you know unnecessary transfusions could be avoided. The important thing is uh, in in this uh, paper is that many of these patients are what we consider low risk cardiac surgical patients and therefore may have gotten away with uh, lower hematocrit thresholds. We don't know that for sure, but it is possible that many of these patients were transfused because of, uh, of practice and comfort reasons and from previous experience, uh, and maybe that's what we need to standardize for the future management of these patients.
Do you think this study has any implications for single ventricle repairs or other groups of cardiac surgery patients? So that's a very good question. Um, our study population only consisted of patients with two ventricle physiology, so our results cannot be generalized to single ventricle patients. However, interestingly, uh, we just looked at our transfusion practices in a cohort of patients uh, admitted to our intensive care unit during uh, the year 2003 and recently published this article in the Annals of Thoracic Surgery, January 2011. Um, and we found, uh, by Salvin et al., and we found that, you know, the transfusion practices did influence length of hospital stay uh, after cardiac surgery so that patients who were exposed to transfusion and we divided them into low and high volume transfusion groups and transfusion was the amount of blood transfused in the first 48 hours uh, increased length of stay. This effect interestingly was only found for patients who had two ventricle physiology and not in patients who had single ventricle physiology. Patients with single ventricle physiology recovering from cardiac surgery may have decreased oxygen delivery to tissues because they have common mixing of uh, systemic venous and pulmonary venous blood, and their oxygen saturations may be low. Uh, they also have uh, frequently have low cardiac output and other structural anomalies such as you know a leaking AV valve, all of which decrease oxygen delivery to the tissues. And the only thing that's easily treatable in these patients is in increasing the hematocrit, and therefore. You know, these patients are more likely to be transfused and possibly more likely to benefit uh, from a higher hematocrit. And where their hematocrit should be is we don't exactly know. And this should be studied in the future, I think. So this study that you did primarily looked at young infants under the age of nine months. How about older children who undergo cardiac surgery and repair um, of their congenital heart de defects. That's not particularly common in this country, but in other areas, older children may undergo these sorts of procedures. Do you think your risks related to transfusion might apply to that population? I think at least from uh, ex my experience, it seems like the younger children are more likely to be transfused than older children. But again, it really depends on the type of cardiac surgery uh, these patients are undergoing. And the influence of age and transfusion and outcomes is also another very interesting topic. It may be that as you grow older, you may need a lower hematocrit to, uh, to manage cardiac uh, delivery of oxygen to your tissues. And whether this is true should also it will be a very interesting topic to study in the future. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make? The comments that I'd like to make are that um, I think this is an important topic uh, to study and evaluate and, and explore and change in the future because uh, children undergoing cardiac surgery are commonly exposed to blood transfusion. In the Salvin article, at least 46% of all patients undergoing cardiac surgery were exposed to a blood product and were transfused. So it's a quite a large number. And to be able to impact their outcomes, it's important that we actually uh, study these outcomes in the future. and you know, um, know about what hematocrits we should aim for in these patients so we can improve their outcomes. Thank you very much for joining us today, Ravi. Thank you very much. We have been talking today with Dr. Ravi Theagarajan from Children's Hospital of Boston about the study Blood Transfusion is Associated with Prolonged Duration of Mechanical Ventilation in Infants Undergoing Reparative Cardiac Surgery, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in January 2011. This concludes our podcast. For the Eye Critical Care Podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. SCCM has a variety of new and updated publications for dedicated critical care experts like you. 
These publications include Current Concepts in Both Adult and Pediatric Critical Care, Coding and Billing for Critical Care, 4th Edition, Therapeutic Hypothermia in the ICU, Critical Care Units, 2nd Edition, and Self-Assessment in Pediatric Multiprofessional Critical Care. For more information on these and other publications, visit SCCM's online store at www.sccm.org store. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, guest podcast editor for pediatrics. Dr. Parker is director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University in Stony Brook, New York. She also is a professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University Medical Center. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.